What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. I'm Matt, joined by Rob, and it is October, and in October comes Halloween. And with that, Rob and I have decided to hit the notes on the horror genre, and today we're going to be talking about 28 Days Later, a movie that, I not that I forgot it existed, but I forgot what happens and how deep it really is. So I was really excited to jump on, talk about this. You can hear the original trailer in the background, but Rob, welcome. I'm so glad you picked this movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you wanted to do it. Um, this is, this is my favorite zombie movie. Um, I think this film did so many amazing things that we hadn't seen before. Um, this movie is really the first time I can think of, unless you can think of something else, Matt, that introduces the idea of fast zombies. I mean, prior to this, zombies were slow. They were shuffling. Um, you could kind of outrun them. This is the first time I remember seeing fast zombies. If they were used before, it, it was never in a way that I had, I had seen. And that's terrifying. I mean, it is. Every scene that you see them in there, they are terrifying. They will scare you. Um, it, it really changed some things around. It's very much not a Hollywood film. It, it really does some things very different from the way that it's shot, um, the, the small scope of it. Um, and I find a lot of times when when you ha- when you take the Hollywood elements out and you focus on just what you can do with what you have to work with, um, holy cow, you get amazing results. Yeah, I totally agree. This was really the first movie that I remember seeing zombies presented in a completely different light. And more so than just zombies, this, you know, obviously George A. Romero with his movies in the beginning, there was more than just a zombie movie there. But this was really, for me, the first one to re like reintroduce that this wasn't just about the zombies. This was about what was happening. And if this was real world implications, how fast the system could break down, how fast people would break down. And that's what I forgot that I loved about this movie is it feels, it feels so real right from the beginning that if this is what happened, I feel like everything that evolves is where we would be. Um, And that's just fascinating to me. I think they did an amazing job with that. And again, I'm, I'm so happy that we're talking about this movie because it has been the longest time since I watched it and almost completely forgot what this was. Yeah. You know, I've said this about a lot of things that we've, we've reviewed. Um, There's, I love reviewing movies because it gives me an excuse to go back and rewatch things that I wouldn't normally make the time for. And it's been several years, um, if not many years since I've, I've sat down to watch this film and I've seen it many, many times and I've enjoyed it every time. Um, but it's, it's something that it's just like, like I've said before, I'm such a busy person with so many things that I'm interested in that to, to make time to go back and rewatch something reread something, replay something I've already, I've already experienced is just kind of tough. And it's, it's kind of sad because this is really a gem of a film. Um, 
that I think a lot of people should get a chance to watch. Uh, it made a lot of money, by the way, when it came out. And and you're right, Matt, when you when you talk about how this is probably what it would happen. Some of the problem I have with a lot of zombie uh, fiction is that it doesn't really make sense that it would work that way. Like, okay, yeah, you get a whole bunch of zombies, you, you send the army in in tanks, and like you just roll through it, and eventually they just die out and it goes away. Like they would they would shuffle off of a bridge or something like that. Um, they would get stuck in a low point. Like you basically, you just get yourself in a tower, <laughs> you wall off the bottom. And you wait the thing out like you airdrop in supplies and you wait the thing out like most zombie fiction really doesn't work mm-hmm. in terms of trying to make it make sense for how we got to where we are. Like if you really think about The Walking Dead, how the only reason that works is because everybody's already infected. Spoiler alert. Everybody's actually infected. And it's when you die that you become the zombie. And that's the only reason that really even works in this one. The speed at which you turn and the and the just the the rage and the speed at which the the zombies attack um, relentlessly absolutely makes you believe that this thing could go from nothing to pandemic and major major apocalyptic level issues in the speed that you see it happen at and it's terrifying because you you would definitely think that this could happen this is not just something that you even have time to organize a response to because it's already happened um, so that's what makes this very believable. The other thing real quick that I will say about that I love about this movie is that because of the speed that the zombies, you know, a person turns into a rage infected, um, you know, infected person, as they call it, they don't, they don't actually use the word zombie, although right. we'll just use the word zombie because it's easier. Um, <laughs> the speed at which somebody turns into a zombie completely eliminates that awful trope of somebody who is actually bitten, but hides it for a long time. trying to like pass it off. Like we don't get that here. Like we we get one scene where a guy starts to get infected, knows what's going on and tells everybody to get away. Like we don't get that scene. And I love that. Yeah. Cause that's, it's always the, the trope in the other movies where, you know, side character gets bit and they turn immediately, but up main character gets bit and somehow they can go for, hours before they turn into a zombie oh we're we'll we'll find the cure we'll save you like it's it's done to death in the other movies but yeah this one it it doesn't give you the opportunity it's you have to make a split decision and you have to make difficult decisions in this movie based on the rate at which the infection kicks in and you're basically you know do you want to live or do you want to die because in that close quarters, you're not going to survive. So, you know, Rob, I think really quick too, we should actually, you know, tell listeners, if you've been listening to this show, uh, you'll know that we follow a particular format now where we kind of break it down into from seat to screen and what works and what doesn't work. But Rob and I discussed that in order to really talk about this movie the way that we wanted to, it's going to be more of a free flowing conversation and we're not going to break it down that way because there's so much here that I don't even know that I have anything that I want to break apart from like what doesn't work. I just feel like it all has to be one solid discussion about this movie. So uh, listeners, this format's a little bit different for this episode, but Hopefully it's not too jarring if you've been listening to some of the more recent episodes. So 
Rob, one thing I want to point out that's so crazy about this movie and things when I was rewatching it and looking into it. uh, One of the things that is so great about this movie is when people find each other, there's like just a general sense of, of like hope and bewilderment that somebody else is around and alive. And the crazy thing about this movie, Rob, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, one moment when Jim and Selena, uh, two of the survivors, then when they meet Frank and Hannah in their apartment building, you know what scene I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that that was filmed actually on September 11th? I didn't know that that scene was filmed that day, but I do know that some of the movie was filmed afterwards and that um, the the images where that you've got the poster board with people trying to find survivors and, uh, you know, family members and friends and things like that. Um, there was there was some direct correlations to things that were happening, you know, right around the attacks uh, of September 11th. So it's. It's definitely weird to think about. I'll tell you the other thing that's weird to think about. So, you know, it's it's October of 2021 when we watch this. <clears throat> we're, we're not past the COVID-19 pandemic. But mm-hmm. it, if if you had to just like if you think about this movie, we have a terrible virus escaping a lab after being mutated from animal sources, killing many people. Humans can transmit it easily from one to another through their fluids quarantines and lockdowns are put in place and people do terrible things to each other. Now, did I summarize 28 days later or was I just reading a headline from the news? Right. Exactly. And that's where like apocalyptic fiction is really popular. Things like Mad Max, things like the walking dead, um, you know, games like fallout, like people love apocalypses for some reason. I, I mean, and, I, I do too, by the way, like, I, I can't tell you why I just, you know, I think it's fascinating to think about what would happen there. And sometimes there's a lot of liberties played because a lot of people really do have that help their fellow man kind of mentality. Like it, you, you referenced it when, when Jim and Selena meet, meet Frank and Hannah, you know, they're, they're so happy in that moment to see other people. And and you think about when Frank and Sel- or not Frank, but when Jim and Selena first meet, you know, she sees a human being in trouble and, and she and her partner, Mark just go and they, they help him, you know, like you think about some of the other major tragedies that have happened, you know, there's, there's all kinds of documented uh, incidents around things like major snowstorms and major hurricanes where, you know, yeah, there's, there's some terrible things that go on, but largely people band together and try to help one another. Um, so when you, when you see some of the apocalyptic fiction where everybody is just roving bands of leather clad marauders, like that's not really human nature. I mean, we're, we're kind of wired to survive best with other people and relying on other people. Uh, there's, there's actually like sociological research into this. So that's sort of what I like about, about this is, you know, these survivors trusting one another and, and looking to each other and having a natural inclination to help one another. Um, that's why I think this film just hits a little differently because it feels like this is what would happen. Yeah. And, you know, part of the reason why, it, it feels like that to me is, you know, this director, if you know anything about this movie, again, this movie has a very, very 
big following. It has very good reviews. Th- this is one of the better reviewed like genre zombie pieces. Um, and Danny Boyle, who is the director, um, him and his screenwriter, uh, Alex Garland, they did like real life research into Ebola virus and they looked at actually a outbreak that happened um, in Africa that was one of the worst outbreaks like ever, the deadliest viruses in the world where 25 to 90% of all cases that happened like resulted in death. That's huge for, you know, what happened. And it was a viral outbreak that hit several African countries. Like they studied that and how things happened. And it's just, they bring all of that. And again, I get it. That's a, an actual real world tragedy and it it is terrible in the sense of the movie and studying it to try and make this feel as real as possible they do that in spades. Like they took time to do research and really try to represent this as not just a movie, but a social commentary on what could happen and things that they thought. I just, I can't get over how this is so much more than just a zombie movie. And if you actually look at, there's an, a graphic novel 28 days later, the aftermath, which bridges the gap between the two movies. Boy, Rob, I don't know if you got a chance to actually read that, but I did. Um, it's really, really good. So I only recently became aware that that existed and I have it on my, on my to-do list is to check that out because there's actually a couple of them. I think there's, there's one that bridges the gap and there's one that kind of gives a little bit of an aftermath. Um, There's, there's a couple of them that are out there. And when I realized that it kind of made me surprised that I didn't know that considering how big of a fan of this movie that I am. Um, Right. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the research that they've done into these real things. Um, you look at the the mansion scene towards the the end of the movie when they when they find the um, you know the the army. Um, you, you notice how much they have in electronics just stashed all over the place. Like yeah. there's TVs, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean that like it's never referenced. There's not a line about it. There's nothing. But these guys just have all this stuff, um, and it's you know it's it's funny again we're. <clears throat> living through the times that we're living in, like who would have thought that it would have been toilet paper that everybody was hoarding? Like who would have thought that was the thing? Like that's the only thing they did get right. Like nobody hoarded TVs. It was the toilet paper they were hoarding for whatever reason. Um, But it's like, these things do happen. And and I said earlier that people tend to band together. Um, They're going to look out for number one, but when they do have the opportunity to try to reach out and help somebody, that's kind of that's kind of in our nature. Even though the initial feeling is to hoard resources, right? Yeah, it's it's just so wild how well they did this movie, and in this movie as well, there is just there are things that they did not show in other movies there are shots of like mass suicide and mass graves in this movie and it sounds crazy to talk about things like that but again we're talking about this from a movie standpoint 
And the fact that they were willing to go so far, but it works, you know, certain movies, the like horror and gore, it's over the top because it's either supposed to be campy or it's supposed to, you know, shock you. But a lot of the times they do it in a way where it just doesn't hit the mark that it's supposed to. Not this movie. Everything that's done is on purpose. I'm, I was so impressed with every single bit of the cinematography, the shots and what they chose to put in this movie, because it's a very slippery slope to make things like that work. The shot you mentioned of the church where you, you know, it's, it's pretty certain that that's a mass suicide, right? Like they don't really define it, but it's hard to think that all those people were like ripped apart by a zombie. Like it's, that's probably a mass suicide. That would definitely happen. Anybody remember the story about war of the worlds? Like, right. There was all kinds of suicides when that was going on. So yeah, you could, you could definitely see that, that, that scene in particular, as he's still trying to figure out what's going on is, is really, really creepy. Um, and, and just thinking about the gore that is in this, um, there's really no, I mean, is there any part of this movie that feels camp? Is there any part of this that feels gratuitous? There's, there's really no. only one, like if you, if you kind of want to talk about when he's pushing his thumbs into the guy's eyes at the end of it, like that's maybe the biggest gross out of the whole film, but it, it makes sense like in the scene, like that's, I'll kind of talk about that a little bit later, but uh, there's there's some things about that scene I, I kind of have some questions about, but in in terms of how this character wins that encounter, that's how he does it. So it it's kind of a gross out, but it also works. And then the absolute brutal, savage way that Selena takes out uh, I'm trying to I believe her her original partner's name was Mark um, mm-hmm. just kind of looks at him. Yes, it's Mark. Um, she just kind of she looks at the bite or she looks at the the scrape on his arm, knows that he has to be infected. She just kind of looks at him. He begs her not to. And she just goes to work with the machete. I mean, it is just brutal. It is savage. She has no remorse over the action. She has no thought. She shows nothing that those actions are having an impact on her. Um, And it's not gratuitous. Most of it is covered. Like you don't really see the actual hits. Um, it's well done. It's at no point feels excessive. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing feels excessive in this movie. It feels authentic that this is what you would have to do in this environment. And you look at this movie and, you know, you can't help but think when it was at its peak, peak popularity, the opening scene of this movie and the opening scene of the walking dead. I mean, if you have somebody, I'm sure you could probably find it having those two scenes side by side, you know, having that. And even Rob, I know you have played it. Look at the last of us, like going back, like popular video games and stuff like Mm. that. I feel like the last of us draws, inspiration from this and I've, I've never heard this and I've never heard that about the walking dead. And we talked about that um, as something you brought up 
but there are things about this movie that I think have translated, but I also am just insanely curious after watching this, how this didn't really become almost the template for how to make something like this, not just be about, Oh, it's cool to watch zombies get headshotted. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a ton of, of direct correlations between this film and the walking dead. Um, you have a character that gets injured pre outbreak wakes up in the hospital um, in the walking dead, we don't get the full frontal male nudity. That was, I'm not really sure. Like it, we, we were talking about, there's nothing in this movie that's gratuitous. I'm just going to go ahead and say the full frontal male nudity. That's kind of gratuitous. And I'm not really sure why that was, why, what was the point of that? Like, it's just, it's kind of distracting as you're trying to figure out what's going on. It's just like, Oh geez, what's going on there. Um, so, you know, we, we didn't have, um, you know, uh, that in the walking dead, there's certainly a lot of parallels, you know, the, I was kind of half expecting in uh, on my recent rewatch of this movie for, for Jim to walk past a door that says don't dead open inside. Um, but that's, you know, that's, uh, this movie actually came out before the walking dead did. And I'm trying to remember if I'd ever heard an interview with Robert Kirkman or read anything where he said whether or not he did draw inspiration from this or not, but, but really is this movie actually about zombies or is this movie about people? Because it's about it's about people. Yes, the zombies are the backdrop for it. And you could absolutely say that about The Walking Dead. And that's something that the original graphic novel, certainly, and, and the TV show that was inspired by it and, and you know, adapts most of the storylines from it. You can absolutely say that's that's why people watch. You know, yes, the the makeup effects on the show are fantastic and some of the gross outs are pretty good and, and some of the the kills are pretty good, but it's it if you ask people what they watch the walking dead for, it's the relationships between the characters and seeing how that progresses and seeing how that changes. And, and, you know, you mentioned the last of us, which I think is uh, an absolute masterpiece of, of interactive storytelling. It's it's, I have no other way of framing it besides that. Um, I don't know that the appetite for that exists without something like, 28 days later, kickstarting that and showing the blueprint for how to do genre movies, but not make it feel like a genre movie. Yeah. It's, you know, the dialogue, like you said, there's just dialogue in this movie that is so, again, it feels authentic. It doesn't feel like it's written for a script everybody plays their part so well. And that's why this is such a good movie because it feels real. One of my like absolute favorite parts of this movie is a scene where Selena is talking about like what is happening. And so her line, like there's a lot of it, but the one part in particular where I just like, sit there and kind of like start like my mouth kind of starts to open and I'm just like staring at the screen is Rob. I'm sure you'll know this, but she says, and then it wasn't on the TV anymore. It was in the streets outside. It was coming through your windows. It was a virus, an infection. You didn't need a doctor to tell you that. Like I just get like, I was captivated by the, the line delivery, just everything about that just felt like I, I couldn't imagine 
this not being real. Yeah, it sets up exactly like we were talking about for this thing to go from like one chimp that's just watching some bad TV, which holy cow, you want to let's let's talk about that for a second. People mm-hmm. are freaking terrible to other people, right? Like you yeah. saw these clips and these are real things that real people have done to other actual human beings with the same chromosomes and everything. We we all bleed the same color, like all of that. And people willingly did some of that stuff to, to other people. Now, I think they're trying to make a social commentary at the beginning, but I, I'm not really sure that just chimps watching a lot of violent TV is really going to do anything <laughs> to them. Like, I, I kind of wish they would have done something a little bit different, but, it, you know, I think they were trying to make a comment with it. And, and okay, it is what it is. But, yeah, when you when you think about how this could go from just the chimp to – all of a sudden now there's this, there's this crazy apocalypse going on. Um, yeah. And she just accepts it. I mean, you just think like 28 days, that's the month of February. Like that's not a really long time. I mean, think about like, you think about the lockdown we had last year, it was two and a half months for a lot of people. Like two right. and a half months was all the longer it lasted. And ultimately we all, you know, we all just kind of sat around and played video games and watched TV and, you know, like, and, and we all learned what zoom was, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's what we did. And in 28 days time, society has completely collapsed. And this character has just adapted a new way to survive. And, and it's just normal to her. This is her normal. She has her machete. She hacks things to death with it. Um, she protects herself. She protects those that she brings into her circle. And that's just how it is now. Um, somebody like Selena is destined to survive in this world. Somebody like Frank might be too nice to live in this world, but somehow still finds a way to do it because, because he has to. Frank knows mm-hmm. he has to survive for Hannah. And there were, you know, some of the moments where he was talking about, I can't go it alone because if something happens to me, what about her? You know, like everything he does is, is for her success, admitting that, yes, you're right. We do need you more than you need us. Like I, I absolutely love the character of Frank. I, I love what he does and why he does it. Um, I think he's a fascinating character. And it just really speaks to like, he reminds me of Marlon from Finding Nemo. You know what I mean? Like he's, <laughs> he's not equipped. He's not equipped for the adventure that he's on. If you want to call this living in this world an adventure, you know, he's not equipped for it, but because he's protecting his kid, he's going to do it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sorry to keep coming back to this, but do you know too, the, the Alex Garland, this guy is, He's so good. This was his first draft of the script. Like, oh my God, (laughs) this guy nailed this in one draft. And Rob, because like rewatching this movie and how fascinated I was with it, I did so much like more usual, like look in and research than I do on like any movie because I just usually remember them so vividly. Um, and know, you know, some ins and outs about him. But with this one, I, I went back and just looked. This guy has done films. He's done Annihilation. He's done Ex Machina, where he's written the script. He did the 2012 version of Dread, which I think is never got like it's got a following after it came out on DVD. 
but he has written some just absolutely fantastic scripts. And, you know, it really, this was one of his like first ones that he did. I think some of the, it's, it's amazing to think about that. You, you think about some of the scenes that hit just a certain way. Um, you know, we talked about um, Selena just hacking Mark up, you know, just, just all of that. One of the scenes that really hit me as a gut punch is when Jim and the group go back to his parents' house and he finds his parents in bed. They've got the, the, I can't remember if it's wine or, or some other kind of booze and they've got all kinds of pills. They've got the picture of with him in it and they've got the note, you know, we, we, when you or you know, you left the world asleep, don't wake up or whatever that note was like, mm-hmm. holy crap. Like you are not human. If you can watch that scene and feel nothing, I don't care how many times you've seen this movie. Every time I've, I've watched this, that scene, has an effect on me and to think that somebody got was able to elicit that emotion on the first draft of their first screenplay and and they shot it and it worked i mean even little things like uh, the way that his mom's fingernails were super long because after you're dead your fingernails actually and your hair keep growing a little bit like little things like that that they just nailed like and I don't know how many people would have like even really noticed that, but it, oh god, that scene just hits me every time. Yeah, it's you're not, you know, again, you're not alone. I mean, we've talked about this movie, and one of the other things that's just amazing about how well this movie was perceived, especially for this genre, and I say that in quotations, you know, it's not always the best site to use because some people bomb it and some people just write things because, but this is still an 87% fresh on rotten tomatoes and an 85% audience score with over 250,000 people rating this movie. That doesn't happen for these kinds of movies. Uh, it that's amazing to me. Um, and we only got a crossover comic and one sequel that wasn't as well received. How has this film not been revisited for a third, like with some of the original cast? How how has that not happened? Because Killian Murphy is is a much bigger star than he was at the time of this. Like this was before he got yeah. Scarecrow. This was before he was in, uh, you know, everything else that you can think of that he was in. This is the first time I remember seeing him. Um, how how has nobody? like made a deal to, to revisit this. It's, it's unfathomable to me. Yeah, I am. You know, I was shocked too, especially going back and just thinking, yeah, I can't believe we never got the, like we never got the trilogy and I tried to look it up. I didn't find a lot of things. If there was still interest from anybody involved to really try and revisit this, but this is one of those where you wish they would have. I I just, I would love to see what the conclusion, if they ever had an idea as to how they wanted to cap this off, 
it's something that I still actually hope for after rewatching this movie and would love to get a, a true book end to this series. Would it, so I want that too, but here's, here's the thing is would it still have the magic that this movie does? If, if it's like a Hollywood film now, because I'll tell you like little things that work so well, something as simple as the music choices, not just the music itself, but when they choose to use silence, they, they underscore uh, very crucial parts of this movie with silence, particularly at the beginning. And then the way that the music is quiet, but then builds into what I can only describe as a manic, chaotic roar at the beginning. <clears throat> and then you get the fast zombies at the beginning. You get introduced mm-hmm. to that and you get Jim's just the, the music is is perfectly giving us uh, an audio version of what Jim's feeling. It just builds the anxiety builds, the chaos builds, the manicness builds. And then we get that again at the end of the movie where the music just continues to build as the chaos and the everything around is exploding, not literally, but figuratively, this whole thing is happening. There's uh, attacks here and attacks there. Uh, I don't think in a Hollywood version of this that we get those decisions we we would get you know i don't know something with justin bieber in it probably like it would be (laughs) it would be bad like it just it wouldn't it wouldn't work the same way they wouldn't shoot it the same way um it would it would miss some of the charm that you get with a movie i think they made it for like nine or ten dollars i think that was the budget they had to make this it was right yeah uh, it was eleven dollars i'm sorry that's that's basically the budget they had i'm looking at it right now um you know, when when you have all that money, sometimes you end up with not a great movie. Uh, you know, Matt, a film series that you and I both really like, uh, the Saw series, the original one was as brilliant as it was because they had no money. Right. Like So they sat around and they said, okay, what can we do? Well, let's make a movie about two guys stuck in a room. Okay, that sounds like that could be a cheap movie. Uh, why are they stuck in a room? And they built it out from there. And it became a really groundbreaking movie. Um and it wouldn't have worked if they had money. Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of those later Saw movies showed that where, you know, you get a bigger budget and you forget what made you successful. Um, you know, just it, Rob, you talked about one of your favorite parts. I, I'd like to follow up on that, too. The taxi scene in the tunnel. Oh, God. Oh, talk about a nail biting what's like what is going to happen scene everything about it again is just perfect the camera angles the use of the score it's it again it is a build it is not all in your face let's throw everything at the wall no it is a gradual build up of fear throughout that is what this movie does so well. Like we've talked about, nothing is just thrown at you. Everything is built to terrify you and sus- 
like and grab your suspense and bring it along because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to survive because it shows you right in the beginning that people who you think are like, okay, this person's got to be around for a while. It pulls the trigger very quickly to show you that this world does not mess around. It is not guaranteed if you're going to, I'll use the term lollygag. You have to make split decisions. You have to be fast. You can't second guess. Yeah. And the, um, the penalty for mistakes are high. Um, I'm not like, I, I love that tunnel scene that you're, you're referring to. I'm not entirely positive how the cab actually drives over the other cars. Like, I, I'm never really clear what exactly is happening there. And it's to me like the, o- the opening part of this is kind of stupid. I don't know that they necessarily needed that to make this scene work. But then when the, when the tire blows and they have to change a tire quickly while the zombies are coming down the tunnel, I'm trying to think of a scene in movies that has more tension than that. That is more like, Oh God, Oh God, you know, like white knuckle edge of your seat. Like you look down when the scene is over and realize that you have pressed your fingernails into the palm of your hand. Like Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of another, there's probably a scene out there. I can, that eventually could think of that does that more than this. I'm just not coming up with one. I mean, Matt, can you think of any scene in any movie that does that more than this one does? You know, I, after rewatching this just as closely as I did right now, that is at the top of my list, you know, maybe going back and watching some other movies, maybe, but no, on this rewatch, I've said it and I will state it again. I completely forgot how good this movie is. I kind of did too. And that's, and that's even saying that I've already said, this is my favorite zombie movie, but I forgot just, the the craft of filmmaking is very high in this um the little things here and there are are just they work um the little bits even like when you think about the next scene that we get the the scene in the grocery store i i really adore this scene and from the first time i've seen this movie to adding years in between my most recent rewatch, I vividly remember the scene where Frank and Jim are comparing the single malt scotch and they're, and, and, and Frank mm-hmm. is trying to give him advice about which one to go with. Like that scene, I vividly remember about this movie and this is a zombie movie. Like I definitely remember that scene. I remember the fun that these characters are having, that they can kind of let loose a little bit. The the music they use is a little bit fun. Um, and, and they're just sitting there comparing notes on scotch. Like it, this movie is, is very fun at times when, when it takes a second to slow down to do those things. Uh, it's not just a matter of getting us from one zombie attack scene into the next, like these scenes in between those have purpose and have, and have real storytelling in them. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely a hundred percent correct. I almost am getting tongue tied thinking about this movie because I'm like giddy about how I feel about it. So it's hard to keep expressing how much I like this movie without just repeating myself. But Rob, I, I want, I want to ask you about, you know, another scene that maybe is just because there's so many of them, but what else just really stands out as a scene that 
is at the top of your list? You know, so shortly after the one that we were just talking about, you know, the the picnic scene where they're just kind of hanging out, that's a charming scene. It gives us a moment to appreciate who these characters are. And when these characters do have real stakes about their life or their death, um, it makes you care that much more because we see them as, as people. So I really do like that. Um, a short bit, the deep thoughts at dinner. Um, when they're, when they first get to the, the, uh, army garrison, um, that's, you know, camped out in the mansion and, uh, and the one character mentioned something about, we have only been around for a very short period of time comparatively. Um, you know, yes, we, 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 as humans like to think of ourselves as, as being pretty special and things like that. And then you realize that in the, in the period of time that we've actually been on this planet, it's like nothing like T-Rex roamed the earth for like 10 million years. Like, right. <laughs> think about Like wrap your brain around that idea. Like just millions of years, there were dinosaurs on the earth and we've been around for like an hour and a half comparatively. Um, you know, it just, you're not always expecting little gems like that to, to pop up in, in this sort of movie. Um, so I, I sort of like that. Um, and then I, I, you know, as far as favorite scene, it's the ending. Um, I, so it's my favorite scene, but in a Matt goes to the movies first, I'm actually going to slightly ruin my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's kind of Ooh. weird, right? Like it's, it's my favorite scene, but I'm going to ruin it a little bit. I, from the moment that Jim kind of takes off. um, So it starts to become a bit of a stretch for me. We have an emaciated bike messenger who has significant muscle atrophy and has eaten like maybe one or two actual meals the whole time he's been awake. He outwits an entire platoon of soldiers and moves like a ghost, avoiding both soldiers and zombies Somehow he also knows his way around military equipment and has a complete mental layout of the blockade and of the house. And also he knows how to defeat soldiers in hand-to-hand combat. Um, So what's your, what's your problem? (laughs) Oh, I mean, other than that, nothing, but I, so it's, it's a bit of a stretch there, right? Um, However, holy cow from the moment the rain starts and he starts running without his shirt and he's, he's just a a crazy man. I mean, he's a wild man. He's, he's on a purpose. He's driving forward. He barely slows down in his purpose. You know, like he just barely slows down. Everything is moving forward. Everything is about sabotaging these guys and, and getting the girls to safety and, and making them pay for their transgressions and their, their evil deeds. Um, oh, it's, it's such a great ending though. Like I, I just got done kind of ruining it a little bit. And at the same time, I don't care because I love it. I love it so much. If that makes any sense at all. No, I mean, it, it does. And part of my favorite part of this movie is the realization of what these soldiers are doing, not for what they're doing, but for the fact that they, again, they don't care. They're not shy about the fact that like this world now sucks. And there are people out there that, you know, are doing absolutely terrible things and aren't trying to come together. They're going like, they're out for them. And the, like, I, I, 
like and appreciate the fact that they decided to go with a group of people who are not supposed to be that and still, you know, pulled the trigger on that anyway. I really appreciate the fact that they took chances with things like that and, you know, made you think about what would happen and what, you know, people that you thought would be good and try to bring people together have just fallen to the horrors of this world. I, so it's not a scene per se, but it's the mindset of what people would do in this environment. But as far as a whole scene goes, it's the tunnel scene for me still really does it. But I just wanted to point out that I love the dedication to really showing how fall, how far people could fall in a world like this. Well, and they fall pretty fast too, because we, we certainly know that there are people all around us that are troubled, (laughs) right? To put it mildly, varying degrees of troubled. And a lot of these guys, um, they go, they go full in on it. And that's where, when he said, when the major says, I promised them women, it is equally diabolical and creepy. And those kinds of things in movies tend to just make my skin crawl. And I just like, I reject them. And it it is sometimes it's scene breaking for me because I just go, Oh God, no, I hate that. Like I just, you know, that, that bothers me to think about. Right. Um, So sometimes like I, I have such a a internal reaction that it's like fourth wall breaking for me a little bit. Um, In this, like I, I'm equal parts like, okay, that makes sense. But then you look at how many people are involved in this and they're all going along with it. Like that's one thing about it that I just go, really? They, all of these guys just were like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like none of them said, hold on, wait a second here. What, what are you talking about? Like, that's crazy. Like that is um, like, you know, that's rape, right? Like, you know, like that's, that's not okay. That's, that's, that's a bad thing. Like we shouldn't be doing this. Like, that's terrible. Like, She's like 15. What are you doing? Like, um, like none of those guys stop to question that. And there's a couple of them that don't seem like they're fully on board with it, but they know like we don't have any, I don't have any proof that I can point to and say, Oh yeah, that guy was not fully on board. The only thing we have is when they're going out to execute the Sergeant and Jim and the one uh, soldier isn't cool with the way that the real lunatic uh, wants to just stab him instead of shoot him. Like he's not cool with that. Um, but that's the only thing you can point to that says that these guys aren't 100% complicit. And I'm not, I'm not sure that everybody would break down to that extent. Um, but it does, it does tell a compelling story. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And again, it's sometimes it is very hard with certain subjects in movies to separate the you know, this is supposed to be a movie and you're supposed to be entertained by it in a certain degree. And like you said, sometimes those things are just breaking for you where you cannot separate the real world application of what that means and your personal views on it from the fact that you're watching a movie. But I do think this movie does it in a way that allows you to do that and kind of suspend for manner of speaking how you feel about that i mean if this was 28 weeks later i might buy that a little bit more 
but it's been a month, like 28 days. It's the month of February. Like you're going to go from law abiding citizen, member of the military, upholding, you know, standard of honor and, and ethics and protect the, the country to, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like that's, that's kind of a fast shift for me. But uh, again, um, when, when these guys believe that there is no hope at all, nothing left to live for. Um, I kind of like, I kind of get it when the major says what he says. Um, and it's, I'm not even sure that he's completely complicit with the idea, except that just it keeps his men alive and it keeps them focused on the mission. But what exactly is the mission at this point, other than just their own survival? But it doesn't even really like it seems like they're still trying to have some kind of military order. So I'm a little confused on that, too. Hmm. I mean, I think I equate it to especially maybe the breakdown being so quick you know, with the soldiers, and this is just my own opinion, you know, these are guys who have fought wars and been in battles and have come back and survived and had other people with their squad that, you know, now are not there, but have made it through some probably crazy, crazy scenarios where maybe they didn't think they would make it out alive. And they have. And then this comes along and something that, again, 28 days later, like has wiped out major cities all across the globe. They're used to things like this. You know, they've been in situations like this where they've come out on top. And this is one that they have seen just absolutely wipe out what they feel is the best of the best, so to speak. So in my mind, that's how I rationalize like the just absolute collapse for the people in this scenario. And I think it's reasonable to think um, they haven't found other survivors yet. We don't have any evidence that other survivors before Jim and Selena and Hannah get there. Um, we don't have reason to think anybody else has made it that far. Um so that just would even add further to their feeling of isolation, uh, potentially. Um, and then again, when we get to the end of this movie, the, the use of music is mm. so good. It is so good. It builds and builds and the anxious terror of it all. And just the, the switch that goes off in Jim from, you know, mild-mannered bike messenger to uh, like zombie apocalypse ninja is kind of what he turns into. Um, he basically he turns into one of the infected, like w- without being yeah. actually infected. Like he's literally just rage, but I'll, I'll let you keep going. But again, his, his turn, that switch being flipped feels absolutely right and earned it doesn't yes. to me come out of left field it's okay i need to like i need to i hate to say man up but i need to do something here like i cannot i cannot do this halfway i have to just i have to save them and this is the way i get it done but it again it doesn't feel made up it feels like this is this is earned 
Well, and you also think about up to this point, um, who's he killed? He he reticently killed the the boy at the uh, with the baseball bat. You know, when they stopped at the one gas station or whatever it was. Yeah. Up to this point, we hadn't seen him um, unless I'm forgetting something. We hadn't seen him actually take out a zombie or and certainly not take out a person. Um, and when his fight or flight kicks in, you know, he makes that big shift. And if this movie wasn't made as well as it's made, that would seem really strange. It would seem, mm-hmm. I don't want to say out of character, but it just wouldn't work. And <clears throat> he has this choice where he can basically, he can just be executed <clears throat> or he can choose to fight. And he can look for every avenue he can, every every nook or cranny that he can squeeze into to fight and and win instead of just crawling up into a fetal position and allowing the weight of everything that's happened to him uh, to actually land on him. Um, the near-death moments, the loss of his family, the loss of society, all of these things, um, the terror that he's gone through. You know, he could just allow that to just make him just hide underneath that pile of bodies and and stay there. Um, and and he chooses to flip his fight or flight switches, not just to fight, but like Anderson Silva at his prime fight. Right. Like that's what he turns <laughs> into. And and you know, and it works. And then and like I said, the way that the music just builds and builds and builds, and it and the rain is coming down, and the way that the lighting is set up, and the Matt, you mentioned the camera angles and the shot selection earlier. Um, the way that the camera pulls back and you see a shot from the outside, um, and you see what's happening inside those rooms, and sometimes you don't hear what the what the characters are screaming about but you know what's happening and those choices there um well-crafted filmmaking yeah from from top to bottom it really is just a masterful work of the art you know rob we spent so much time just talking about this movie is is there anything that really doesn't work for you in this movie because i i don't have it but we also always want to go, you know, if something doesn't work, we're always going to talk about it. So is there anything in this movie that really just misses the mark for you? Um, there's, there's two things I would kind of highlight. One is I mentioned that I really enjoy the human moments, the, the, the quieter moments of this film. That being said, there's parts of that campfire Valium dream scene that really does slow this film down a little bit. Um, I, I think I think we probably could have cut out a lot of that. We had that cute moment in the grocery store. We had the picnic. That was fun. It slowed down a lot right there. So I would have maybe reworked that a little bit. I, I would have liked to have seen maybe some of that pulled out. Um, outside of that, the only real complaint that I have, like true actual complaint about this movie is the love story that they, I feel it's very shoehorned in between Selena and Jim. It doesn't to me add anything to either of their characters. It feels forced. It doesn't feel to me like it really works well. And I don't know that we needed it. Yeah. You know, as far as anything else, I would agree wholeheartedly with that part. Um, it is probably the one misstep for me in this movie because yeah, it it doesn't really feel. And, you know, I've never been stuck in in, an apocalyptic situation where the world's basically 
shut down in 28 days to the point where it doesn't seem like we're going to get it back. Um, and people are dead all around me and I know nobody. Um, but I don't know. It, it's, yeah, it does it. That part is a misstep for me. I will agree. It just feels a little shoehorned in. And that's where, you know, just thinking about the fact that this was a rough draft of a screenplay, uh, of his first screenplay at that. Um, I think that's one of those things that if you asked him to go back and look at it now, I think he writes that differently. Yeah, I I think maybe he definitely would. So, but again, a a very, in the grand scope of it, it's a very minor misstep in in something that is like, okay, I can forgive that considering how well everything else is done in this movie. When I think about the, when I think about this movie, like I don't even consider that I, I it's like not even in my top 10 things that I think about with this movie. Like I think about the ending. I think about the tunnel. I think about the beginning. Um, I think about the great fire burns, you know, the mm-hmm. first time that, mm-hmm. that Selena gets to gym. I think about that great effect. Um, I, I think about the great moment in the grocery store that I mentioned. Um, you know, I, I think about those things. I think about the gut punch when he finds his parents. I, I just, I don't even really consider the, the, you know, the love story, this um, aspect of this movie. I just don't even think about it. Yeah. It's again, it's, you have to sit there and ask like, Oh, well, okay. Let me, let me think about it. But you have to pry it out where there's just so many other things in this movie that you can just, uh, over and over again, think about highlight after highlight after highlight with this movie. And I do want to mention too, we talked about cinematography, but man, just the way that this is shot from what to me is the point of view, like of survivor, like of the survivors. It's so well done that, it just adds so much to the movie, the way this is shot. Cause again, you don't get these type of camera angles and this type of work. Usually in these movies, there's always quick cuts. It's hard to follow things, but man, this movie makes it a point for you to be able to appreciate what's going on, but also give you a sense of in certain scenes, forming your own opinion. Yeah, and I, I, I like we said the so many things about this are well crafted. The choice of the angles, the amount of time that's spent on on each moment, we never really leave the perspective of the survivors. Um, primarily Jim. I mean, this is primarily his story. Um, we never really focus on hordes of zombies. Like we don't. We actually never get that. We never really get anything from their perspective. It's always the survivors. And I think in terms of storytelling, I think that's what one of the things that really sells this. I think that's one of the things that, you know, really makes this movie terrifying and really edge of your seat um, the whole time. I mean, it's, it's hard to look away from this movie at times, you know, there's times you want to, but you don't like it's, you're, you're definitely spreading your fingers as you're covering your eyes. With right. Them. Um, <laughs> 
And and I just can I just take a moment, Harrison, if you've gotten this far and you've actually watched this movie, I'm sorry that, that we talked you into this. I know you don't like scary movies. The, there's definitely parts that would have absolutely terrified you. So if you made it this far, A, I'm sorry, and B, thank you. Yeah. Um it'll be interesting to to talk to him and see if he has <laughs> caught any of these. So uh he's he's made it well known that he is not the biggest fan of <laughs> of this genre. Um so and that's the thing about this it. is really like in terms of like, are, are there jump scares in this movie? No, I, I can't think of one. Um, you know, right. maybe the, the scene where the, the one uh, army guy that had originally gotten infected, you know, there's kind of that scene where he runs at them. That's about the closest thing you get to a jump scare in this. Um, it, it doesn't rely on those movie tropes of this genre to tell its story. And it's a better film because of it. Yeah, absolutely. That is incredibly well said on how this movie works. So speaking of how this movie works, it seems like we have done a lot to praise it. So Rob, I'm going to ask you, where does this movie rank for you? Not only in terms of our real system, but I want to ask you, how does this movie rank in the zombie genre, because we're going to cover a couple more. How does this measure up? Yeah. So prior to my recent rewatch, I had kind of said, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain this is my favorite zombie movie. So I'll start with my real rating. It's five reels. Um, I've, I've loved this movie. I adored this movie. Um, this, you know, reviewing this was kind of my idea because I, I was actually looking for an excuse to rewatch it. Um, and you, you know, very much like you had said, Matt, you kind of forget how good it really is, uh, which by the way, it's currently on HBO. So, uh, if you have an HBO max subscription, um, you really don't have a reason not to watch this, uh, own this, buy this on DVD. That way you can watch it anytime you want. So as it bounces around from streaming service to service or, or comes off of streaming, you have the ability to, uh, check it out whenever you want, because, uh, there's definitely parts of it that, um, Every time you watch it just works. So yeah, five, five out of five reels um, with, without even having to think about it at all. Um, and I, on a recent rewatch, I'm very confident that this is my favorite zombie movie. Um, if do you really consider this a horror movie? Do you consider this a thriller? I guess. Uh, and sometimes those crossover. So I'm going to say in terms of horror movies because i'm not as into that genre as you are matt you know like i i'm probably gonna say this is it's at least top three if not higher you know i'm I'm trying to think of horror movies that i've liked more than this or revisit time and time again like i would with this and i'm and i'm struggling to come up with anything yeah so for me this is easily without a doubt a five reeler as well i i have absolutely no hesitation to say that whatsoever i'm unbelievably happy that we got to well you know especially me got to rewatch this movie because i had forgotten how good this movie was you know in terms of if we're classifying this as a horror a horror genre movie I would rate it in my top five. Uh, if we're talking about a zombie movie, this is easily number one for me. Uh, being such a huge fan of the horror genre, it's still top five. I, I would say it's probably right there at number four if we're saying overall horror movies. So it is up there. It is a fantastic movie. 
I'm so glad that you made the the call to have this be one of the episodes here for Matt goes to the movies. Yeah. And definitely look, it's, it's that time of year. It's, it's the middle of October. Um, this is when, Hey, Halloween's almost upon us. So, um, if you're looking for something that's more than just a, a slasher fest, uh, which is sometimes what we typically equate with, with Halloween and, and scary movies and spooky season. Um, this is different from all that. And if you've never seen it, please watch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, also please watch it. Yeah. Uh, you know, listeners, like Rob said, this is on HBO max. Um, if you don't have a subscription to that, which is at this point surprising, I mean, I I don't know if anybody even has like television per se anymore, or if it's (laughs) like, if it's just, well, I subscribe to, HBO Max, Peacock, Netflix, um, you know, Paramount Plus. Between having those subscriptions, it's, you know, what, 65 bucks, which is what, you know, Hulu with TV costs you or YouTube TV. So if you have HBO Max, definitely check out this movie. You certainly will not be disappointed. And Rob, I want to call out too, you, you made the call for this movie to rewatch and review, which was fantastic. But another movie that you made me think about, geez, I have not thought about this movie in such a long time is one that you recently did. Uh, Talk about that because there's another edition of the extended podcast universe that I thoroughly enjoyed. And another movie, like I said, I had not thought about in a very long time. Yeah. And uh, so oddly enough, both this movie that we're talking about now and the film gone in 60 seconds features a, a villainous role from Christopher uh, Eccleston, which when I got to the end credits, I said, Christopher Eccleston, why do I remember that name? And so I pull him <laughs> up on IMDb. I'm like, Holy crap. Yeah. He was just in the movie. I just covered. Um, so yes, uh, my brother, Eric and I uh, had an opportunity to uh, dip back into the extended podcast universe for uh, gone in 60 seconds, which is a movie that, um, he and I just absolutely adore, uh, have for a very long time. And um, I, I think what's fun about that is what's fun about talking about movies in general and talking to people about movies. And, and Matt, we've definitely realized this very clearly over the last year is just how the connection uh, that people make to movies is so different. And it, it doesn't always have to make sense. Like it's just, it, you know, it, and we saw this absolutely with star Wars. Um, you know, the, the star Wars you grew up with, that's your star Wars and, and the movies that you connect yourself to uh, might be very different from the ones that other people connect with. So while, while, you know, you had made the comment, yeah, I haven't even really thought about that movie in a while, but I'm, I'm glad that, that we did it. Well, you know, that's a movie that my brother and I, if we're hanging out for more than, than three or four hours at some point, a gone in 60 seconds reference will happen, you know, like that's just (laughs) because we enjoy it so much, but uh, yeah. So it's the fourth entry in the extended podcast universe on our spinoff show that we call Rob's reviews. And we did something kind of fun for this. That um, was a new idea that we had. Uh, Eric always enjoys talking about the, the specific uh, songs that are used in movies, uh, which really helped, make films iconic, the, the iconic lines and, and the iconic music that's used and how you associate that song with that movie. And we have something we've done called the uh, Eric's EPU extended playlist. 
And what he's done is he's created a playlist that you can search for on Spotify. And you can also search on Amazon Music, although Spotify we found is a lot easier. Um, so listeners, if you're if you're into the four films that we've covered, um, or you know, if you like the episodes or if you like the movies, uh, you can search uh, Spotify for uh, MGTTM EPU. And then you can search, uh, you, so you type that in and then for, um, for Gone in 60 Seconds, the name of the, of the playlist is called Eleanor. Uh, and it's got some great late 90s, early 2000s, you know, electronic jams, uh, Crystal Method. And, and then we've got appearances like The Rock Wilder from Red Man and Method Man, which is an all-time great early 2000s hip-hop track. Um, whole bunch of just great stuff from that period of time. Like I said, Crystal Method is in there. Um, and then he also curates a little bit too and adds other uh, songs by artists uh, from that time period. Or, or, you know, certainly if you like Moby, there's a lot of Moby on there. Um, and it's just really a lot of fun. So uh, he's got one made for all four episodes that we've covered so far. And it's something we'll likely do for the future. And uh, I got to say, he did a phenomenal job with with each of those because they're they're really a blast to listen to. And every time I listen to those those four, it just actually makes me want to watch the movie that it's connected to that much more. Yeah, it certainly was really cool to see that. Uh, I've checked out some of those playlists here, and certainly I know a lot of the songs that are on there. It was a really cool, fun idea, and certainly I really like the Gone in 60 Seconds episode. Uh, so have listeners as they have downloaded and listened. So, you know, certainly the movies that you're covering definitely have, you know, been ones that people want to hear, which is really, really cool. So they're a lot of fun. Can't wait for the next one. And speaking of the next one, uh, obviously, Rob, we are going to continue with some Halloween themed movies. Um, no pun intended, because I just covered the two <laughs> Halloween movies, um, right. actually, actually. But certainly we've got a couple more episodes coming up in this genre. I did just do. Uh, a review for Halloween that was released in 2018. And I did a completely spoiler free review of Halloween kills, which I will follow up with a complete spoiler review of that movie. I want to gather my thoughts on that one and do a rewatch here in the next couple of days, because there's a lot to digest with that movie. So I'm going to be really excited to, go back, rewatch Halloween kills and talk about it at full length and spoilers. Cause it's certainly in its own right, been a very polarizing movie. If any listeners have seen it and gotten a chance to actually look at reviews for that movie, there's certainly a lot of space in between. It's either really good or it falls completely flat. So Really excited for that. Rob, why don't you talk about some of the other ones that we are going to bring to the channel here before the end of October? So, yes, um, the follow up to 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later uh, is next on the docket. And then we're going to revisit the uh, remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um and then we're going to follow up with Army of the Dead, the recent Zack Snyder release, uh, his most recent film on uh, on Netflix. So, um, yeah, uh, watch along with us. Like I said, this film that we're talking about now, 28 Days Later, and its sequel, 28 Weeks Later, available on HBO Max. So absolutely check this movie out. If you haven't, um, if you haven't taken time to see the second one, by all means, do it. 
I'm I'm kind of looking forward to my rewatch this week because I haven't seen this one anywhere near as many times, and I don't have the fond memories of it uh, that I do of the of the initial groundbreaking uh, uh, 28 Days Later film. So uh, I'm I've given it several years since I've seen it, and I'm I'm kind of excited to go back and re-explore it and see if I if I still feel the same way or not. Yeah, it, it has been several years for me as well since I have seen 28 Weeks Later. So really excited to to go back and see what that movie is all about because I don't have a huge recollection of it. So it'll be really fresh for me to rewatch that movie. So excited to check that one out. Excited to check out Dawn of the Dead again. Uh, actually, one of you know, the really good ones that I think uh, of remakes that was done. I like that movie a lot. So, well, I remember liking it a lot. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen that as well. Um, and then certainly, you know, going into those other movies will be a lot of fun. So listeners with this episode, they'll be in the show notes, how to contact the show as always. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, email. Um, certainly let us know what you think of this movie. And one of the new things that we're doing is we are actually attaching, you know, if you haven't seen this movie or you have and you just want like a refresher on certain things, there are actually links in the show notes to our favorite scenes from the movies, um, which has been actually pretty cool. And I've gotten some feedback on that already that that's something that you know, the listeners have liked. So check those in the show notes and let us know what you've thought of this episode or any other episodes on Matt goes to the movie. So as we sign off here, thank you once again for listening. It's been a blast, Rob. Thank you for your time as well, man. Always appreciated. Absolutely. It's uh, fun hanging out and uh, looking forward to talking about the next one next and uh, make sure you uh, listeners, Subscribe to the show everywhere you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, also check out The Basement Binge, our friend Harrison's show, kind of similar to Matt Goes to the Movies. And he's, he's got a lot of great content. He's just done a, a recent binge of the Daniel Craig James Bond uh, series, which I'm not, have not had, a, I've got them all downloaded. I just haven't listened to them yet. And I'm very much looking forward to getting started on those. Absolutely. So, you know, Check out The Basement Binge, like Rob said. Harrison, I hope you watch this one. Um, <laughs> if not, I do understand. But, you know, Rob, thank you again. Listeners, thank you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Matt Goes to the Movies. <laughs>